0: Hello, and welcome to the final Mastering Dungeons of 2023. I'm Sean Merwin, and you know who my co-host is. Yes, you do. You know Teos Abadía. Hey, Teos. You are known.
1: Uh, be known. Sean, you known. uh gain a point of renown for all of your uh, exploits this year. You've made it this far. Well done. Level up. Is that is
0: that good? Is renown good? I, I don't know anything. My brain is empty of any knowledge or thoughts coming off Christmas and heading into the new year. So this is going to be one of the most bizarre Mastering Dungeons that you've heard uh, in your life. I'm here for it. And so am I, sadly. But we will start as we do with our listener corner. We're going to the tweets and the toots and the Patreon. missives. To hear what people have to say starting with michael j pastor via our patreon discord michael says when designing a new setting it's always cool to introduce custom character creation and development options that encapsulate the feeling of the setting frequently custom flavors are achieved through feats but feet creep already seems to be a problem how do you manage to do that without also introducing power creep? A great question. I would agree that character options are a great way to help establish a player's footing in a setting, give them the, the hooks with which to not just play their character, but play their character in a way that makes that character feel part of the setting. And it's great for showing how your setting may be different than another setting that the characters might be used to. So let's talk about the best ways to to do that. Uh, Teos, I actually I want I usually ramble on for a while. I want to give you the chance to speak right. first, if you are so inclined.
1: I I will put in uh, my the first thing that comes to mind when I hear this question is to think about what the characters actually should know that they can make use of to bring in that experience that says yes, I am from this setting, right? So, um, you know, and I've seen Ghostfire has done some really cool things to establish that. And there are core things that describe what you do. A lot of fifth edition D&D adventures, I think do it very poorly in that they give you a background that maybe has like a little feature that's fine, but the concept of it is actually one you can't really work with. A great example is the otherwise really, really good, uh, Witchlight, light right? the wild beyond the witch light has one of the backgrounds is like you're a carny right you are you work at the carnival yet you don't know the carnival you theoretically should know the entire layout all the npcs how all the games work any of that and you don't know any of those things and so it's a really weird like why was your mind wiped right and the fun of the adventure is you discovering all the things in the carnival so to me it's a really bad background like, it's a really, it just doesn't fit. And there are a number of things in a number of fifth edition products that are like that. They, The experience does not match the backstory. And so one of the tough things that I think that comes into play when you're trying to do this is choosing the things that really will cement you in the setting in a proper way representing the knowledge you should have, will have all of that.
0: Right. The first thing that came to mind when I got this question was, recognizing your player base assuming that you are creating something for a limited and knowable group of players and adjusting based on their care regarding setting versus mechanics Mm. and why i think this is rules are supposed to allow uh story or setting choices and then differentiating will be ignored or glossed over if players are only focused on how good this feat is. Sure. So if you think you're creating a set of feats that really speak to the setting, but they are either too weak, that no gamer worth their salt would take them, or they're so powerful that everyone's going to take them, you're losing the power that that rule, whether it's a feat or anything else, has to bring your character into the setting. So that's why there's always a uh, there's always a risk, but there's a, there's a reward as well. Uh, because in a perverse way, players that are only focused on mechanics will only focus on mechanics. So you need to use them correctly to reveal the setting in some way. That's why I loved when even before I started at at uh, Ghostfire Gaming, the transformation mechanic Uh made just stood out as a revelation to me because it was something that was powerful. And it was meant to be powerful to get those people who only care about the power of their characters and their abilities to interact with the setting in a way that the setting wanted them to interact Mm -hmm. with it. Yeah. Which is the everything is evil, or right? are you going to become the monster mm-hmm. to fight the monster? Yeah. Uh,
1: yeah,
0: so that's that's a it's a thin line. Uh, it's a small beam that you need to balance on as you create these things for a wide, diverse, uh, unknowable player <laughs> base.
1: yeah, and and I think beats are tough because they they occupy particular mechanical space it's not my favorite vehicle for for expressing Mm -hmm. um kind of who you are at the beginning of your career right who you are as an entity how you express into the setting there are a couple that i have really enjoyed Um, one of them is when when fourth edition darkson came out and they created themes it was a really clever attempt to bring into the fourth edition era what second edition had had around that setting which was a number of things that just didn't exist anymore mechanically they hadn't existed in third they didn't really exist in fourth around how you would say like hey i'm a gladiator and so it's like well do you make a gladiator class but then when you thought about you know a lot of times you expressed yourself as a gladiator but you were also a fighter or a wizard or something like that and similar you might be a wizard that is a preserver or a defiler. so there are a lot of sort of like are we creating tons of classes? What do you do? And the solution was build a theme that everybody gets, and it was sort of a free little add-on piece. But what was important wasn't this encounter power you got. It was the expression of flavor mm-hmm. that came through, and so everybody got a little something extra, but far more important was the flavor of it, and it really worked well in that setting. So well they expanded it across all That's fourth true. edition, but it was dark where it really shone. And along those same lines, I think that what we did for Acquisitions Incorporated with the player roles worked really well. It's mm-hmm. Something extra, but not powerful, right? It, it was more exploration type capabilities, story type capabilities, but it asserted your role within this organization. You know, I'm the person that tracks the loot. I'm the person that is in touch with headquarters. And so it reinforced these roles from the very beginning without any real power creep at all, but it created this sense of flavor and naturally catered to certain players. Mm-hmm.
0: And that brings up the most important point, I think, which is how is your setting different from a typical standard high fantasy, sword and sorcery, gritty, realist setting that's out there? Mm-hmm. Because we've seen all the different flavors already. We, we, we know examples out there. So how yours differentiates itself in tone or in flavor can then be shown through these rules. Yeah. If your setting is just like every standard D setting, except there's technology, then what's the most important part of that that you want to create rules for? Probably equipment mm-hmm. and feats or class features or something that lets you interact with that equipment. So that's where you want to focus your rules uh Adjustments or rule creation on that. What if your difference in your setting is biology, rather than having elves and humans and stuff? That you have something completely different. Well, then you're going to want to focus your rule differentiation on race or species or heritage or whatever term you want to use to cover that. That's what we did with Aurora, mm-hmm. uh, which just came out in 2023 after being kickstarted last year. We said there are no races except for dragons and kin of dragons. So you are a completely unique being. You don't have a nice species package like the 5e rules normally do. You are going to make your own species, your your own biology. You're picking traits from these various things. Now, those traits you could call feats. We call them traits because... They're not as powerful as or shouldn't be as powerful as a regular feat in 5e, but they're there for you to do that thing. And that is one of the first things that you do. And we hope one of the first things that rings the bell in your head that, okay, this setting is going to be very different than anything played before. If the monsters are the things that are most different, then those differences should be expressed through the monsters that the DM Mm -hmm. plays with, and how those monsters interact with the characters. This is what we're doing with an upcoming project I'm in called Surviving Strange Hollow. Mm -hmm. Uh, You can, there's a link in our show notes, but it's published by Accident and Cyclops. And so if you look at Surviving Strange Hollow, you can go and actually sign up to be uh, notified when the Kickstarter launches. But this is all based on art from, from an artist named Emily Hare. And we are going to take her art, her beautiful, otherworldly, somewhat silly, but still very sinister art. And we are going to make a completely different way for you as the game master to run 5e and then deal with the ramifications of this land and these monsters mm-hmm. that are in it. So that's where all the focus is going to be. The DM is going to have many more toys to play with but we also then need to focus on what does that mean for the players and how are they going to experience that so the monster design will have to be different um so focus on that focus on the differences and then put your energy toward the place the friction point where that difference
1: meets the game yeah that's great that's fantastic and, and I, I would, you don't even mention uh, agents of the empire, which I also thought was a neat way of saying, you know, what are the tweaks we would make to make everything feel like it's about spies, and that, and that's, that's that same kind mm-hmm. of care, and I think that's really what it's about, is going back to, to the drawing board, taking a big view of the game and the setting, and thinking, how do we need these expressions to exist, and wh- what is it that I'm doing at the character level, right? Am I is everybody getting a feat that reveals what your clan is? Okay, you know, does that work for all classes, right? You know, what is it that I'm doing? Should everybody just get a feature that does this? Um, what is more important? Do I need a mechanical thing at all? Maybe I just need a story basis, right? Maybe it's the fact that I can call upon the wisdom of the people that I work with, or I can summon allies, or you know, if it's a political, like you can imagine a Baldur's Gate setting, where it would be, which which of the three parts of the city are you from, right? And that Mm -hmm. could be the piece that you're driving because you're gonna have a super political Baldur's Gate experience campaign. And so you're gonna give them, you know, you're either low or mid or high, or you could even subdivide it further, the docks, whatever, you know, you could really specify it outside, um, the outer areas, you know, and that could be a piece that really interacts. Every time you are in one of these parts of the cities, you'd have, you know, somebody who doesn't quite fit in, and somebody who does Lots of opportunities like that, but you want to you want to step back and really think about what is the appropriate mechanic and why is it and why is this actually going to create good behavior at the table.
0: Yeah. And ask yourself, is less more? Hmm. Is taking away options rather than adding new options a better route for you to get to the point you want to be at for your setting? Absolutely. Sometimes that's that's the, that's the simple thing. There are only humans in this world. Okay, good. We've we've gotten to a point now where we can say we've cut out a lot. Now mm-hmm. we can add back to it. Uh, but that's going to be the point we start at and move forward from there with less being more for this particular set. Yeah. All right. We have another question coming in from Kurt Ugel for 576 via YouTube. Over the past decade, we have often seen a spike in the quality of RPG writing and language. Even when there are errors or failures, Wizards of the Coast, Pathfinder, Cobalt Press, MCDM, etc., are putting in a lot of effort. Is this raising expectations for the audience? Is this showing the way to success for smaller producers? Is care and consideration in writing affordable? Over time, Mastering Dungeons has become a masterclass on this topic, so thank you. No, Kurt, thank you. <laughs> uh, honestly, I'm going to take the last question first. Is care and consideration in writing affordable? Honestly, in the role-playing game industry, no, it's not. Because there is a very, very limited amount of audience and money coming in. And perfection takes time, especially in a print product, especially in a print product as complex as a role-playing game book where you have text and art and rules and a very careful layout and play testing and sensitivity reading and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Unvo- unbelievable amount of time, unbelievable amount of resources. And what do time and resources cost? Money. That's pretty much the simple answer there. I cannot tell you how many iterations that a product as simple and and small mm-hmm. as Pearl and Pinebrook took. Mm-hmm. And only one company could have given that away for free based on the amount of time and resources that went into
1: it. Yeah. There, is, there are companies that can reach a scale where – the audience is big enough to cover those costs, right? So like we saw with Wizards back a few years ago, where Wizards and Hasbro were saying, Mm -hmm. Wizards is so efficient. And it's because they are able to, if if you can get that one set of writing, the one set of art, the one set of editing and development and all those things to then propel many, many, many sales, well, then it becomes efficient, right? But unless you can reach that really high bar, right? Uh MCDM, right? With the, the number of people backing the Kickstarter, uh Ghostfire with their products. You know, anything that's at that scale, well, then you start getting into this place where it can be true. But outside of those, it is really hard for it to to work, right? And and it takes tremendous factors to achieve that area, right? Like somebody at the individual level is, you know, Mike Shea, right? Who can get enough sales from enough ways that then that efficiency is reached again. It's extremely difficult. And and if you take any product on the DMs Guild, it's generally not hitting that, right? There are a few that are, but especially with that 50% royalty cut to very, an extremely small number of products are able to get anywhere close to an efficiency. And most people even who look like they're successful will later admit, well, I never paid myself or in any number of things. There was just a a person Mm -hmm. sharing the other day about their finances and as they have, I think every year for as long as I can remember, they have shared how, on one hand, it looks like very high revenue and then they say, well, I've paid myself about four grand a year. And they're spending so Mm -hmm. much effort on these, on on all of this, on trying to hit that quality level. And so it it is uh, unfortunate because the, the, the expectations of the industry are very, of the customers is very high because they expect everything to look like Wizards of the Coast or Free League or some Modifius that have you know just gorgeous, gorgeous books. And that is incredibly ruinously expensive even. Mm-hmm. And so
0: the next question I'm sort of paraphrasing is, is more competition and more great products by these companies raising the expectations of the audience or raising the quality of the work? And it's yes to the first question. It is raising expectations. Is it raising the quality of the work? Not really. Uh, not at least, not in my opinion, right? The DM's Guild initially was a place where if you wrote a a good bit of rules adventure text, you could sell it, even if there was no art, or even if you only had very limited art. Not nothing like what we're seeing with current current uh, products there. Now, if you even if you spend thousands and thousands of dollars on art and layout, there's not uh, not any promise that you're going to make any more money, and it's no promise that even if the art and the layout is beautiful, that the actual text is going to be good at all. Uh, so, I think the expectations are sky high. And the appreciation for the actual writing itself is probably not as high as it once was. And I don't mean that as a blanket statement of kids these days or things. <laughs> things have always been that way in in every right. Tell, show me a movie from the 80s that had the best cinematography in action and the writing was horrible, but it was super popular because that's what. People see, that's what they buy. It's always been that way, it always will be that way.
1: I do think that there has been some sort of like, I, like I wanna say like weaponizing of of, of the technology. The, the DMs Guild, for example, you know, initially folks would just take, like like I did, you know, you get some some free art that you had and you slap it on a cover in, a, in Microsoft Word and there's your product, you know, and, and the you hope the words would carry. And then you start seeing these products that look better and better. And, and, and now the expectation of what you see on the top seller banner is that it's going to look incredible. And and so I think a lot of creators shoot for that and end up way over their budget and, and never make any money because they spent so much on art. And I've talked to a number of creators that have had that experience and I made a loud noise a second ago picking this up, but um, this is the the free league uh, starter set and, and that's Kind of a a picture I'm holding up to those who can see the video of everything that's in this starter set. And it's, you know, a set of dice and it's full color maps and full color handouts and full color character sheets and all this amazing stuff. And it's a list price of like fifty three sixty three in U.S. dollars. Uh, But they often sell this starter set for half that, which is what I got it for. And it's a criminally low price because it's like many starter sets sold below the break point. As introduction into the setting to get people going, but I mean, you know, I'm playing through this adventure right now, and and it's unbelievable value for this price tag, and there's no way mm-hmm. I could ever hit this quality level, kind of for any price. But even if I could hit it for a price, it would not be a price that people would pay for a product. <laughs> you know, what I would need to charge to cover for my time and and all of that art, and yeah, just <laughs> wild. Yeah, and. I think it's
0: been reported that Free League is a Swedish company who gets funding, part of their funding from the government. Mm -hmm. So they are not only as, as a competitor to that, are you competing against a company you're competing against a government, (laughs) (laughs) a sovereign nation you're competing against. Mm -hmm. So, right. What chance do you sitting there, you know, in your study with your laptop and your barely dot matrix color printer uh, able to, to, to do something like that, and no matter how good a writer you are. There, uh, there is a counter to yeah, that. You still still
1: create, still produce, okay. The counter to this is sometimes you see on Kickstarter, like there was a product that came out this year that people were just you know so excited about and it hit huge numbers and it had a free preview. And I when I looked at it and I thought, these roles are, I don't wanna say terrible, but that was my reaction. And, and what I meant is that mm-hmm. the, the rules clearly play, created a sort of weak, in my mind, experience that was really unlikely to last for a long time. It had some clever ideas and so on, but it had sort of that fantasy heartbreaker appeal of like, there's this clever idea, but everything else is either a little same or less than whatever you're used to. And but I think the Kickstarter excitement just carries some products, right, way beyond where they should be. And the care was not taken for the words, for the gameplay, for all those pieces, right? Um, it, it's what makes it a delight when a game like Shadow Dark, for example, is able to hit on those mm-hmm. measures, right? Because it's it's right. created with a lot of care, um, and and even big name company products, a lot of times, I think that that there's a little too much emphasis on on the the marketing of it, the the how to sell it rather than the, the carving of the words, the refinement of the words until everything is really fantastic, right?
0: Yeah, <laughs> and like, like I go back and say, as it has always been. As it has always been, yeah. Right, we're just getting to the point, we're just getting to the point now where role-playing games can afford to do. Because yeah. while it's not a great industry in terms of revenue yet, it's much better than it used to be. True. So you are getting people who will take, who will get investors mm-hmm. to pour money into it because there could be a return on investment. Not if the rules are great, but if the marketing is right. And yeah. if, if right, if we learn the algorithms and we hit the right notes and we send out the right ads and we do all the right things, we're going to make a ton yeah. of money on this putting an extra you know, $200,000 into extra rules design and extra rules edit, yeah. people never see that, true. never see that. They never see, oh, okay, they they took the playtest feedback and did two more iterations, costing them another $100,000 per iteration um, for writers and playtesters and editors and so on. You never see that. That's no, true. And so yeah. if you, they never see that and nothing changes because of it, then the question then becomes, why take that $200,000 and put it into that when we could take $200,000 and pour it into Facebook ads and this and that and the other thing and extra art?
1: and. Well, it, and I would, you know, it's, 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 I would argue that it's it's the longest. We've hit. I would argue that there is a reason, right? Because when you hear, you know, like, like it's amazing to look at the, the book scan numbers for Spelljammer. And for a product that, you know, sort of on the internet had a lot of negativity around it or, or at least say medium level contentment, um, it sold really well initially. It, without more data, it's mm-hmm. hard to tell how it did long term, but it, it it probably did pretty darn well. And so the question is, yeah, is there any reason to invest in in, in making the adventure better, the rules better, giving people the, the things they expected out of the product? Um but I would say that over time, the answer becomes yes, right? Because over time, people start to think of like, well, I don't know that products and wizards are that much better than anyone else's, or I don't think they're better than anyone else's. And, and that's an attitude you want to not have if you're wizards, right? You want people thinking of your products as the best. And there's only so much marketing right. that will let have that over time. Over time, the marketing is the marketing, and people may still buy it. But if they are saying, well, if you really want good rules, you turn to these other folks. That's a loss, right? Maybe. Mm-hmm. It 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 it, it maybe.
0: Now mm-hmm. each each industry is going to be different. With wizards, they may be safe, right? They may be safe putting out absolute garbage because there is no one else who can advertise on their level. Right. Now, yes, they don't want to put out garbage. Right. Uh, Which is why they do work hard want not to. Exactly. I- exactly right. Um, but I have seen lauded, phrased, award-winning content that was absolute trash. Mm-hmm. Yep. But even, even game designers were like, oh, this is the best. And then I realized they never read that. <laughs> but yeah. this was what they heard people say. And therefore, at the Emmys, there are people who had no right to be standing up on stage accepting awards. Standing up on stage accepting awards. Right. And it's just it's it's yeah. the nature yeah. of entertainment. It's the nature of <laughs> consumer yeah. uh, consumer. I don't want to say capitalism, but just consumerism in general.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah. So, but, but I, I do think that Ooh. you know, it, it, to the going back to the the core of that question that, that uh it's a, all of these things are a bit of a dance, right? It, uh, expectations in many ways do go up, but you know, at the individual level, you can't keep up with that. And, and the smaller you are, the more that you're unable to have marketing or glossy things carry the product. The product is, is what you, you're going to have to fight, you know, tooth and nail for, for folks who like what you do. And it will matter that they like what you do more, uh, unless you somehow vault into the ultra-successful Kickstarter because people just like that shiny thing. But Mm -hmm. you can't just pray for that, right? (laughs) That's (laughs) low odds.
0: Yeah, for sure. So thank you for those questions. Now to our news and commentary section, where we start with a little happy news, where we saw Sean Astin and Elijah Wood playing Baldur's Gate 3 uh there was a short video put up from larian where uh where sean and elijah obviously actors uh from lord of the rings trilogy uh were playing baldur's gate 3 and sort of interacting with each other and interacting with the game and it was just it was kind of a cute feel good sort of funny uh look at them because they kept you know going back to the lord of the rings jokes and (laughs) And, but also interacting with the game in a, in a fun way so it was it was neat
1: that's awesome i haven't watched this but i i, I will have to do that uh i, I did my son and yeah, i are planning on trying it, to do a playthrough of the game so so we're gonna pick it up soon and okay. uh yeah so i'm excited about that yeah.
0: the video is super short it's not like this uh-huh. huge 20 hour playthrough it's like seven minutes or something but okay, it's perfect. it's sort of you know it's it's a it's a neat little celebration of uh Of both Baldur's (laughs) Gate 3 and and Lord of the Rings. so Uh, awesome. uh, Check that out. Our friend Scott Fitzgerald Gray has put out for us a free RPG that he calls Core 20. The Core 20 RPG, you can download the rules for free on Scott's website uh, at core20rpg.wordpress.com. He's been showing previews of his rules over the last few months and now you can uh download the f- full versions of the core 20 players guide and the core 20 magic grimoire if you don't know about scott then you haven't been listening to our show closely um scott has been at least for the last 20 years if not longer uh, one of the main editors for freelance editors for wizards of the coast um so he's done extensive editing as well as development and game design writing. Uh, There is, there are very few people on the planet that I would trust more to create a good role-playing game than Scott. So getting his game for free, it's sort of, you can't lose. You give it a shot, see what Scott thinks based on his, you know, long, long experience, not just as an editor, but as a DM and a player. Um for so he took what he thought were the best parts of not just D &D games but other games over the years and put them into one game. So you should check that out if you get a chance.
1: Yeah. I was just gonna say that this is this is really worth looking at because Scott is such a sharp mind, as you said, that when he looks at what he would do for an RPG, it's really cool to take a look at and see what what he tweaks and and it comes from a a place of great intelligence, right? This is a person creating an alternate fantasy RPG that has looked at D&D more closely than just about anyone. <laughs> mhm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Now we have other creator and crowdfunding news, starting with Dungeons of Drakenheim. We had mentioned that it would be going up onto D&D Beyond, and now it is there. If you want to know more about it, there are a ton of videos on D&D Beyond where the Dungeon Dudes, the creators of Dungeons of Drakenheim have explained what this product is. But this city of Drakenheim was destroyed by a meteor swarm. But in the carnage that was left behind, some interesting things have been happening. So the city is a dismal urban wasteland, contaminated by otherworldly magic and haunted by hideous monsters. But also there are many factions that are looking to take advantage of this carnage and of this chaos. So you're trying to weave your way not just through dangerous dungeons and this urban ruin, but also the political machinations of all of these different factions. So you get a campaign, levels 1 to 13, 50 new monsters, NPCs, and legendary creatures that you can use not just in this, but in your own home games. Uh, there are mechanics for personal quests, rivals, scheming factions and urban exploration, and 57 detailed maps to battle Drakenheim's forces that are also available for you on D&D Beyond if you buy this product. And all of that is now up in the market. It's for $29.99. I Next, we have Green Ronin, who has announced a Valiant Adventures superhero role game. It will be kickstarting in January, and it is a complete game in two volumes. What they've done is taken the Mutants and Masterminds role-playing game and combined it with the Valiant comic book universe to create this game. So we have a link in the show notes to that Kickstarter where you can sign up to be notified when it starts. If if superheroes are your RPG, RPG jam, now is the time to check that out.
1: I'm I'm sad to admit I have never played Mutants and Masterminds. Um, so maybe I need to do this. But I do want to make two big blog shout-outs uh, that I've been enjoying, and they both happen to be folks who are on our Discord, uh active old time, sharing great ideas. The first is the blog called Dark Plane, which is Grant Ward's blog, and he has been posting a series called Hundred Dungeons which is a preview of an upcoming fantasy RPG in the D20 style that he has been working on. And Grant examines many of the concepts that are in 5e and similar games, looking at clever alternatives to them. So if you look at the blog, he will talk through what these differences are, and it gives you tons of ideas that you can pull into a game that you're running right now. You could be running 5e, Still need ideas and alternative approaches from this uh, delving into exploration and all kinds of other ideas. A lot of it has sort of a a classic feel to it, which is uh, certainly of interest to a lot of people these days. So you could also pull them into games like Shadow Dark or anything else that you're running. Um, And Andy Demps, who is also uh, blogging a lot these days on the blog Proving Grounds of Folk Vanguard, link in our show show notes for both of these. Um, He has everything from an excellent Pax Unplugged overview where he talks as a person who is part of a booth uh, with Elderwood and their booth efforts there To Then he has blog posts on miniatures coverage and and all kinds of other interesting topics. For example, a post called Wood Wolves where Andy examines how to present material for 5th edition Shadow Dark and basic style D&D all side by side. And that's useful because this has come up a lot on our Discord where folks are saying, you know, how do you do this? For more than one system what's a good way to do it and so he looks at, at how to do that with this example of a monster called woodwolf
0: awesome that is our news section for this episode now for our main segment here on mastering dungeons for this final mastering dungeons of 2023 we are going to look back on 2023 and look ahead to 2024 so we are we are off the charts now. We are in uncharted territory. We don't know what we're going to talk about. We're just going to ramble on for a few minutes and uh, and let 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 each other know what we think. Probably end up throwing down their blood. There may be
1: blood. You have been warned. <laughs> uh, well, it's, it's been a, it's been a heck of a year, right? And and we asked the folks in our Discord uh, what what thoughts do you have? And one thing they said was, man, don't talk about the layoffs anymore. <laughs> So we won't, um, yeah. but it it was a fascinating year, right? Start to finish. And I thought I'd bring a little show and tell for those who are on the podcast, you can just imagine. Um, but, you know, I showed this earlier, but the, the Blade Runner RPG starter set Blade came Runner. out uh, last year. And, and this is something that I've just started running. So, you know, when it comes to, and it, it came out last year sort of late enough, like in December, that it it really feels like it's a, it's this year um, or 2023, it feels like. Um, and I've been running it, and it's fantastic. And I think Free League is is one of those companies that really exploded in 2022 and 2023 and brought a lot of excitement, yeah. um, partly because of that backing we talked about, where they have a lot of resources to create beautiful games. I mean, they, they print in all black. <laughs> the amount of ink is, is unbelievable. Yeah, That alone would ruin most companies. Yeah. Um, but just gorgeous, right? And and Wild Worlds, and and Coriolis is beautiful, and Aliens, and just there, there's so much that's going on, a strong narrative sense to the game. And and so, you know, we had a couple of questions that came up a lot about where our game's going. And one of the things to look at is Free League, because they have, while they sometimes do like a 5e version or something like that, a lot of the games like Tales from the Loop or Blade Runner, they might be properties, but they also... Are with their own system and and their own tweaks of their system, uh, with clever alternatives that are really made like made like um, you know Blade Runner. This whole both the starter set and the game itself are about questioning what is humanity, what is it to be human, and and it does so through all of its mechanics and everything like that. And so I thought that was fantastic. Um, uh, I've got lots of stuff I can show. Sean, what's something that made you happy in 2023? What excited you?
0: the the same uh free league i i want to play as many different games as i can but i am in a rural area where there aren't a lot of gamers and i can't play online too much because my whole being is online and i need to get offline when it's time to have fun but i played alien the alien starter set as did you yeah and uh and it was run by the amazing zach goins uh and it was a two-hour thing and uh it uh yeah it, it was a, such a great experience and i thought okay this has got to be zach zach's a great dm zach knows everything there is uh-huh. to know about running games and and he had purchased a starter set to run for us even though he already had one he just didn't have it with him so i bought it from him yeah, yeah. to look at it to say is this game really that right. good uh and it it, is. Yeah, it really is it is at least the starter set uh and, and I'm like, okay, I want to run this. I want to run this for my d d group. I want to run this for people who have never played any role-playing games before. And like you said with um, with Blade Runner, it looks at humanity. What this game looks at is greed and stress. Right? What yeah. does greed do to a person and what does stress do to a person?
1: Yeah, and the stress mechanic is amazing.
0: Right, and we can, you know, we can say it in terms of art, right? If we're watching a movie or reading a book, we, but to make it work as a role-playing game goes back to what we talk about all the time, which is how are the mechanics feeding into the narrative and vice versa? How do they work together to create that experience? And it, mm-hmm. like you said, the stress system works incredibly well. Stress may be great <laughs> when you are in a stressful situation; it can push
1: you to great heights. Yeah but it can also be your downfall. And this is cuz you get and then more dice. And the is just does it. the game gives you more dice right. because you ended up in a in a rough situation to represent your stress, but that stress die has a face hugger on it, the one, and if you roll that, then yeah. very bad things happen and it's a beautiful way of capturing in in the in the movies how, you know, these people try to do these great things and then they snap, right? Well, why did they snap? Well, they rolled that face hugger on the extra dice that <laughs> could have had them succeeding wildly. Right.
0: Mhm. Yeah. And it's and it's such a great IP, right? It's yeah. such a great story from its source, and people understand it. It's it's at its base something that even people who maybe haven't watched Alien or any of the Alien movies yeah. can understand, right? Yeah. It's we're terrified, we're running around, we don't know what's going on, and something's got to give at some point.
1: Yeah, and if, and if folks who like lethality. They- the the way that critical hits work Mm. and they work this way in blade runner as well is that you you roll on a table when you get a critical hit and you know it might be that your arm was broken as happened in a game recently but if that had been a projectile weapon it might have been that you were just shot in the head and your character is just dead and there's nothing to be done about it it's just game over man and and that's the way aliens and blade runner they can just be extremely lethal and so any any person attacking you there's that chance that they could crit and then this would happen and and so there's some angles like that that just keep you on your toes and and that you just maybe maybe making a new character or something like that um another thing you know we had a couple of people this year you know looking back at this year i i really liked our show i mean i'm biased i got it but um we we came into the year covering the player's handbook (laughs) (laughs) it's so overrated um uh, <laughs> yeah really honestly why are why are you even watching now? but you know we i'm looking at our show notes and we we started with the player's handbook uh we we had kyle brink come on to talk about the ogl we covered winter fantasy mm-hmm. and then we did a bunch of interviews as we looked at other games right and we looked at shadow of the demon lord and what weird mm-hmm. wizard will bring which comes next year super exciting uh we covered mm-hmm. to be yeah. or not to be a villain right that was super awesome mm-hmm. I mean, sure. and a, just an example of how yep. wildly different you can, you, what you can do with 5e, right? You can just do something so absolutely different uh, with 5th edition. Uh, we talked about Fate. We talked about, um, then we had our, our awesome guest on. Um, we had uh, Swords of the Serpentine uh, with Kevin Culp talking about gumshoe games. And, and that, this enormous yep. tome um, that is thicker than anything should be, mm-hmm. um, is incredible. Um Right. You know, that's a non-D&D system. Um, We talked about... um, We had Rich Flair on, Ben Byrne. Uh, We Mm -hmm. talked about 13th Age. Um, And then we went into the DMG, right? Which was really fun. Had a number of guests. We had Mike Mm Shea and James Kassik on. Um, Just, you know, and then we started getting into Planescape and Game Hole and things like that. Uh, What an an exciting year, right? Like, what was this year like for you... Sean this is also a question that came up what what was kind of this year personally how did it feel like
0: it it was such a roller coaster year and i don't like roller coasters <laughs> uh, yeah, me neither. i like to have a plan i like to see the the goal in the distance know the goal know the path to get to the goal yes there will be bumps this was a this was a roller coaster you know, personally moved, uh, professionally went from full time back to full time freelancer. So everything up in the air now. It's trying to get a job wherever I can find one. Get all the work uh, away. You know, with working with work. Ghostfire is great. I, yeah, yeah. I, working with Ghostfire is great. I'm still working with Ghostfire just as a contractor. Uh-huh. We've got lots of cool stuff coming. So I, I, yeah. I don't feel bad I don't but it's just it's that yeah everything's unsettled moved from one house to another uh but and th- but th- then even just as a fan it was a roller coaster
1: yeah. yeah right
0: it was start start of the year okay the movie's coming out I can't wait to see <laughs> this movie oh OGL we're not going to go into it but OGL yeah. and then it was like oh but we come out of that with us uh creative commons Okay, that's what we should have had in the first place. So at least we got to a good place. And then it was, you know, up and down. What's the new edition going to be? Oh, let's watch. Let's look at all of the unearthed Arcana articles for the play tests. Oh boy. Oh, oh boy. Oh, wait. It's probably just going to be fifth edition with a nice fresh polish, which is good. But it's also disappointing. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. good for me as a game designer. It's good for me. I, I know what's going to ha- be happening going forward. But as a fan, that new edition, it always has, like, can't wait to, to see what it does, to tell stories with this, to learn the ins and outs of it. Um, and I don't think we're going to get that, at least with D&D.
1: Yeah, it, it's... I have so many thoughts on this. In fact, I've written in my head blog posts that then I essentially delete out of my head because I can never... I can never get my arms around all of this and all of these thoughts because, you know, like in some ways, fourth edition was perfect and it was this great game, super fun, but left clear reasons why people wanted a change. And so everybody was so ready for fifth edition and could embrace a total new edition, right? Fifth did not have to say, don't worry, it's fully compatible, right? They could just do. And now, we're mm-hmm. again in a position like we were with 1E or even 2E where there are so many folks saying, but wait, are you changing my game? You know, Are you pulling the rug under for me? And and it creates the catch-22 of we've been playing the same game for 10 years. Some of us could use, and I'm I don't even, I'm not even in this boat, but a lot of folks could really want something fresh. Uh, I'm in the boat of I just always like new edition. Mm-hmm. I like learning from new role-playing games and new things, so mm-hmm. just give me new. Yeah, and I'll take the chances that it might be worse. Right. I just want to learn, um, and I like, like you're saying, digging yep. into things. And and now it, it's really a, a, a question. But we hear, like Dan Dylan, the other day, saying, you know, we are so excited for the 2024 books. Um, and I think it's it's just one of the big questions of 2024 is whether the fans are kind of like the online fans are just all wrong because I think the vast majority of them sound like they're not super excited. Um and 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 like the interaction they're getting from the company does not feel exciting. And so there's just this question of whether mm-hmm. the game's going to be a letdown, but but probably it won't be, right? Because D&D usually is a really right. good game and all of the designers are saying how much fun they're having with it. So that's going to be one of the great mm-hmm questions and reveals is sort of how that lands and how it takes off and and the game could do a lot of things it could start slow and then speed up right any number of things could happen so i i'm not going to make any guesses i mean the only guess i do is at a broad level i expect it to seed, succeed wildly that's generally what happens mm-hmm. um fourth edition succeeded wildly yeah. right so and I, that's what i would expect um but but you never know
0: <laughs> right well and that's why it's so strange because 2024, normally going into a new year, we know what's coming. Mm -hmm. And this is the 50th anniversary of D&D. It should be a time of celebration for everybody whose lives have been affected Mm -hmm. um, for the better by role-playing games in general and by D&D in particular, right? There should be a great amount of enthusiasm for this new edition. We should be looking forward to the Baldur's Gate three stream, uh, yeah, whatever it's going to be, right. or the next movie, or mm-hmm. the Netflix series, right? Yeah. We should be excited for those. But w- with every controversy, whether the controversy is fabricated, like with the with the AI stuff, mm-hmm. right, where yeah. it's it's made up but it still becomes a controversy <laughs> yeah. or still whether the controversy time. is, whether the controversy is sad, but inevitable like layoffs. Mm-hmm. whether the controversy is self-inflicted like the OGL, all of these things sort of suck the life out of any joy sure. that you might be feeling. So it's, it's so hard. And it, it begs the question for me, where is the real D and D audience? is feel, it the people yeah. who are online is it is it the people who are on D beyond is it the people who are just sitting at home and order their books from amazon and never interact yeah. with anything wizards related yeah. other than that or is it so splintered at this point that there is no way to make every single segment happy
1: yeah so i've been enjo- a couple thoughts one is glory of the giants uh, which had some mm-hmm. of that AI controversy, right? And and I mean, it, it's funny how recently another company had an AI controversy and all I saw was praise for how quickly they acted. And Wizards doesn't get that kind of reaction, right? Wizards gets this, I am boycotting you to the right. end of time because you had a, you know an artist that used AI without telling you, even though you had a policy against it. And you create a new policy and that's still not good enough for people. And I've talked to folks who honestly, unless Wizards drives over to their house and reviews all of the art with them for every single customer in the world they're not going to be satisfied with what what wizards does Mm -hmm. glory of the giants is a great book it is top level design and it got completely washed out because of the the production delays the shipping delays uh and a number of other Mm -hmm. things and and it's a shame because there's some really good design being done and 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 hopefully that kind of design is what we're going to see next year with the 50th anniversary products, with the, the addition of the game. I remember talking to a designer when I was at PAX West one year, many years ago, and they said, this is my favorite convention because all of the folks here are new DD players and they come in with joy. Mm-hmm. You go to Gen mm-hmm. Con and everybody you overhear is saying, I love d d here's what I hate about it, <laughs> right? And it's true, I mean, we do it too, like right. when you're an old hat, you're like, this is my favorite game, let me tell yeah. you what I would change. And and you can get really angry about it, and especially on the internet, you hear all of this like anger and picking apart, um, and it's not always just from the perspective of being analytical about it, but just venting, right? New players mm-hmm. aren't that way. And I think that one of the things that DD really should try to do um, as a key to success, but apparently doesn't want to spend the money on, is things like DD Encounters. I thought DD Encounters mm-hmm. was a program that kept bringing in all of those new people and integrating them into the community, which created more positivity at a time when it was really needed. And I'd love to see, you know, if I had a wish for 2024, one of them would be a store program. That would bring in new players mm-hmm. like that because I thought that changed the nature of the voice and brought in those people that were just saying like I don't know what you all are talking about on the internet. I'm rolling dice and having an incredible time.
0: <laughs> right. And and we sort of got there recently with with Parlin Pinebrook. Yeah. Uh. Because because you know we wrote this. One of the saddest. Why didn't you days, kill
1: people with it, Sean?
0: <laughs> one of the saddest days. I was so happy that it went out to the educators, and and then I saw, you know, I I saw that it was announced on D Beyond, and part of me was like, okay, well, more people will see it maybe, but now we are going to get people for whom it was not written. Commenting on it (laughs) and literally being the people who we want to keep new gamers away from. Yeah. Because the joy of rolling dice and telling stories is what drew me to the game. It's what drew most people to the game, Mm -hmm. I think. And to have it turn into this political, everybody participation trophy thing. (laughs) You know, it's just sad. It's just sad. Mm-hmm. And it's okay. It, lit, I have run games where the objective of the DM is to kill as many characters as possible. Mm-hmm. That is a perfectly fine way to play d d assuming that everyone knows that that is the point of this particular game. You and I have written the d Open. Mm-hmm. You and I have run games for c- competition where you want to put it to the players. Yeah. You want their characters not to succeed because that is the whole reason of the competition to be in play. Right. It's a fine way to, to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, this thing that I wrote was not meant to be that. <laughs> this thing that I wrote was meant to help new DMs get their feet wet with new players. Yeah. There's time to ruin their experience in D D, <laughs> right? There's time. Yeah. Let's make them happy first. Then we can get to the life is miserable and your D D should be too. Uh,
1: <laughs> that should be we when We get to playing. that I've
0: I've yeah. run many a game like that.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. Uh so so yeah it's it's yeah. this it's the it's social media, right? It's yeah. a, it's the proliferation of social media. And um it's something that we're going to have to contend yeah. with as creators, yeah. as fans of the game, and as commentators on the, the society around which this game works.
1: And I, and I think that's something that, you know, both in this year and next year, I think that, that those who can spend the mental capital to take on those battles should when, when they feel they can right so like I, I did a couple of videos this year where i knew that i would get a ton of criticism for it right i talked i, I covered all of the changes that d d sort of quietly did to address inclusivity and better language in mm-hmm. the d d product so that any designer RPG company whatever can use that as a template to guide their actions and they may not agree with all of them but those where they like those they can adopt them and they can see, what these changes were from a to b and i've gotten a lot of angry comments about that but i take that on right Mm -hmm. like i'm okay to do that what i don't like is there are a lot of people who don't take it on who don't want to take it on and are made to suffer for whatever they do Uh, on the other hand you know Mm -hmm. i worked on this the uh, lazy dms forge of Mm -hmm. foes with scott fitzgerald gray and mike shea and you know we got lovely fantastic almost universally positive uh feedback from that and and so you know that (laughs) that was a lot easier uh how to make monsters better in your game that went really well uh i got to work on flea mortals um that was also super fun um and has has gotten a lot of praise so you know it's not all bad but i think that going into 2024 that's part of the reality of being a creator in this era that um that there are some people, it is a negative space, right? Online is often a negative space. The algorithms are driven by views. And so places like YouTube, uh, places that don't have algorithms like Mastodon, those are different. Um, but places like YouTube are driven by clicks and, and you wanna get to certain thresholds of clicks. And the easiest way to do that is put a giant open face on your thumbnail and some headline like, you know, is this the end of D&D? Or you know what's wrong with this product, and 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 then the clicks come, right? <laughs> and and so it'll yeah. be increasingly an era where, as creators, you have to ask yourself what side of that you want to be on. Do you want to be causing the problems, or helping, you know, be a refuge against them? Um, and you know we've made our position clear on it, but but I think that will increasingly be a dangerous place to be. And all creators of all sizes have to worry about. It. Companies have to worry about it, right? You're launching a product. You want to have a YouTube video on it. Are you going to have a person with the face open looking like they're so shocked and surprised, or are you not? And and, and it's how you're going to build your reputation over time when you create products as, as to whether you're going to do that or not. And then <laughs> it's it's not an easy choice. You know, every creator has to do that. I have a view of what one should do, but it's it's not the only way to do it. And, and there's a fine line, too, right? Everybody has to play with how clickbait yeah. the title they're willing to use or not use. So we, we had a
0: couple people want to, want us to answer something about the, the year behind or the year coming. Mm-hmm. And one was, what would Teos and Sean design together? Mm-hmm. And my answer to that was, I would design anything with <laughs> <Same> Uh <way. laughs> We're working on something small right now. Mm-hmm. I've got something really, really, really big that might be coming, I hope. And I, I will lie to portland and i will wrestle Teos to the ground and force <laughs> him to sign the contract to work on this with me but he is a busy busy man family lots of stuff happening so uh keep keep an ear out in 2024 for yeah. possibly some things coming uh that that taos and i will work on together
1: i still love the idea of you and i working on an exploration uh product as well. like That's always something that, that I think we would mm-hmm. do well or some some kind of, you know, real. So I, I always keep in my mind, you know, be curious to see what 2024 looks like uh, when those rules come out and what parts it doesn't address. You know, we, we, we did such an exhaustive view of mm-hmm. the DMG and player's handbook. We are in a great position to right. address it. And so it's always something we could try to do. And my enemy is always time. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Yes, it, it is. Uh, another question was, what do you miss most about first edition D&D? And at first, I was like, I, I don't really, I don't really want to go back and like look at the rules of first edition D&D. But then I thought, you know what? This is actually a really, really good question for right now, because I really don't miss anything about the rules themselves. What I miss is all about nostalgia, right? I miss that sense of wonder of not knowing what's going to happen of Going out and making those choices—not just the small rules, do I cast fireball or lightning bolt—but right, these choices that my characters making. Uh, I, I miss spending hours and days with my friends, letting the troubles of the world just go away, just for a little while. Um, I miss being the dungeon master and and having that big big sandbox to play with without having to worry about the minutia of the rule so much uh yeah. about how this and that this ability this feat and this magic item interact and how is that going to break the game there there wasn't a heck of a lot of that in in first edition what's broken was broken yeah. but you knew it you knew
1: yeah.
0: that wish was broken and 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 uh and I, so part of that isn't that I'm missing first edition. It's that I'm missing being that age in that yeah. time of my life with, with that. But fifth edition or any role-playing game could still be that with mm-hmm. someone. Yeah. You could still have the, the 12 year old folks who just can't wait to get together with their friends and drink whatever is the equivalent of, you know, jolt cola <laughs> and, uh, uh-huh. and and just spend time being silly and being goofy yeah, or being super serious about this thing that you care about and and that's what I want right that's what that's what I want that's what I yeah. miss about first edition and second edition and third edition and and top secret and paranoia and you name the game that's what I miss about all of it
1: yeah I I I, I joke that you know I would go back to college just to play role-playing games consistently mm-hmm. again and, and that is truly the biggest thing that I that I miss is just that point in my life where I was when I, you know sure there were other things going on but there was such a it was so easy to schedule games <laughs> and we were all there in the dorms mm-hmm. and we could just get together and we could have you know spelljammer battles on the floor until 3 a.m. and just that kind of thing but talking to the sense of excitement that you talk about what my suggestion there is for folks is if you like kids right and if you would be a good dm for kids dm for kids because they bring that joy back to you when you see the silly things they do and you get to experience it and if you're a parent it's even more fun to get you get to see your kids do it and it's super fun or even jump upwards to your parents right if you can run a game for your parents like as i've done and you know my dad comes up with an absurd character name and he's doing you know absurd things and, and my mom and You know, those kinds of games can be a fun way to kind of remember that, tap into that briefly of just what it's like when you don't know if the square in front of you is safe, you don't know if the chest is trapped and you don't have an automatic way of dealing with it, but instead you're just using your full imagination, dealing with the situation for the first time. That's the most beautiful part of of those olden days. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, it's true. I loved this
0: question. Uh, so MCDM's game uses tactical, heroic, cinematic, fantasy to describe their game. For each of you, what would be the four descriptor, descriptors for your ultimate role-playing game, and what would your chosen words mean to you? And I thought this was a this was a great question, right? Mm. I think yeah. I I think it was Andrew I think it was Andrew Bishinsky who asked this yeah. question. And if it wasn't, I apologize. Uh, but it's, it's an absolute great question because when you develop your game, you should do this. Even if you're working on an adventure, if you, even if you're just working on a small piece of a game to go and think about, about it in these terms. So what I came up with was dramatic, adaptable, interactive storytelling, uh, Now, what what do they mean? Well, dramatic means focusing on creating and resolving dramatic situations. Every time that you're making a choice or rolling a die or drawing a card or flipping a coin or doing rock, paper, scissors, it should be resolving a dramatic situation. Adapt. Now, dramatic doesn't necessarily mean serious because it can be a comical dramatic situation. It just means there's something at stake there. Uh, adaptable means lots of levers so you can tailor the experience to be as technical or as loose as uh, high fantasy or as low fantasy make it make it modular in a way that you can plug plug in or take out different uh, different elements to make it fit your thing adaptable could also mean the genre doesn't have to be fantasy in in the sense of fantasy versus science fiction versus super spy versus uh, dark horror versus uh, superheroes, right? Anything along the way, I want it to be able to plug into to do. Interactive. I want to focus on the game master and the players interacting with each other and players interacting with each other as much as possible without slowing the game down to the point where that interaction takes away from the game and the narrative rather than adding to the game and the narrative. So I want that focus to not just be on one side talking and then the other side talking and taking turns as much as interacting organically. And then storytelling. I want the focus to be on the narrative created by the rules and gameplay and not on the rules themselves. I want the rules to fade into the background, and we end up talking more about the hilarious or the dramatic or the wild thing that happened rather than, well, I used this spell in this slot at just the right time to make sure that I knew that the monster had seven hit points left, and I knew if I had cast it at first level, I might not have gotten him, but I cast it at second level, and that showed him. That can be fun. That's not what I want for my uh, particular game. Teos, have you had some time to think about I, this?
1: I a very little bit. I I love okay what you just said. The way you broke it down is super awesome. I can throw in a couple that 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 really resonate with me. There is something there between heroic, cinematic, and dramatic that I don't know what my word is. Um, because. Mm-hmm. I do like being the hero, but I don't know that I, I would, cre- if I created a system, I don't know that that it would be in the same way that MCDM wants it, though, though I, I like that. I mean, and I liked 4E for that. I like the idea of it being that you do very larger than life things, but but I, I think I want it a little more grounded. And so maybe something like dramatic is the word I'm looking for, um, where there are exciting things in the world revolves around you. You are special. You are doing neat things and and some something that captures that in that way um i know that i want something that's personalized and so i, I find that too often the heroes feel like like they uh they're superimposed onto the adventures the stories whatever and so i would like that that if i were building an rpg i would want that at its core it is doing, and you spoke about this a little bit with sort of interactive uh, or adaptable, but, but that it is really um, working off of who the players have created as their characters and evolving with that in, in step with them uh, and with their choices. And I would want to create systems by which that happens always. Right? It's not just run through this dungeon, but it would always matter who you brought to the table and, and what you're doing uh, during the game. Um, I would always I would storytelling is probably one as, as you used something along those lines of narrative or storytelling that puts an emphasis on that narration and and the development of of your, your choices and your actions that will r- rise up to that sort of story level that you will want to retell with your friends. Um, engaging is one. Uh, probably my last one, because I think that I really like the games that I love are ones where everybody at the table is leaning forward and and thinking about it. And and that actually means a lot of things mechanically, because a lot of times the things that interest an individual player, the rest of the table doesn't care at all about. And simpler games often work well because there is none of that, like you know, someone's sitting there calculating their power attack, right? That may that's a very engaging for that one player, but not mm-hmm. for the table. And so things that are simpler, often everybody's right. still engaged. Um, but I would want ways that the game itself is is wanting everybody to take part in it and and link together and, and be attentive and and not just you know sit out and and, and stare at the sky while someone someone does their math. <laughs> awesome. So
0: thank you for that question. You know when we make our game, uh, we'll we'll make sure we. Credit you for this question to help us get get there. I love it. Uh we are coming to the end, Teos. The end of twenty twenty-three. Looking forward to twenty twenty-four. Uh any other last thoughts? Topics you wanted to cover? Yeah, Here's your chance, my friend.
1: Well, I, I think that what I want to say is is that I'm super thankful for how we've progressed in 2023. Like the, this podcast. Has gone through a lot of changes recently uh many in 2022 but 2023 was a big part of you know will this work right will would folks like to see us on youtube would folks like to be part of our community and support us and the, the answers have been yes and, and fantastic and i love it we've had a couple of comments recently on youtube where someone has said something along the lines of like i don't know why you get more you don't get more views and i'd rather that be the sediment sentiment than the opposite of why are so many people watching this junk <laughs> you know so we're hopefully the gem that people are true. discovering rather than the other way around right like bigger than they should be um and 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 I think there is I feel like there's potential like people are learning about why we're fun uh and, and entertaining hopefully and we're getting better at it maybe maybe I think yeah you Sean um Sean's making lots of faces um and I think we're getting better at it. Like, and you know, we did we did not do Planescape in the number of episodes that we did uh, for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. Maiden. That we've had a few people ask for that. Um, we tried to do things a little more shorter and condensed, um, and and uh, and and get to the sweet part of it. So I, I think we're, you know, like I feel good. I feel really good about 2023 as a year for for mastering dungeons. Like we've done fun things, fun topics, fun guests, um, amazing community. I like hanging out with the members of our community. So I'm super thankful for for everybody there. What about you, Sean? Any other last Uh, thoughts? I
0: I am just very glad that 2023 is there. The tunnel ends. There is a light there. Hopefully it is not an oncoming train. (laughs) And we will go into 2024 with a fresh, clean outlook ready to conquer the challenges personally and role-playing game-wise and uh, hit the ground running and seven
1: other cliches that I can't think of. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to it. 2024 what? is going to be one heck of a year. Um, it's going it to be really. You just know it's going to be a year that we will talk about for quite some time, the 50th anniversary, the 2024 release, and what all the other companies in the space do. It's going to be really, really interesting. For sure. So finally,
0: thank you, everybody out there who listens. Um, We do appreciate being able to fill your ear holes uh, on a weekly basis. And thank you so much for the people who do support us via our Patreon. Because literally, we could not do this without you. Uh, So if you're a Master of Realm supporters, uh, thank you. If you're a Master of Dungeon supporters, thank you as well. The Masters of the Multiverse, they give us at the highest level. So we give back by having me read your name. Now, having me read anything I don't see as a reward, but (laughs) you paid for it, so you got it. Keith Ammon of The Monsters Know What They're Doing, Craig Bailey, Steve Bissonnette, Merrick Blackman, Evil John, John Carney, Darren Chandler, Seth Echol, Andy Edmonds at Nerdronomicon.com, Nathan Fuller, The Mighty Jerd, if that's your real name. And shout out out to...
1: Shout out to uh, his partner who created an incredible one-shot adventure as a uh, Christmas gift. Awesome, uh, Sean Hurst, Tad Jackson,
0: Brian King. The Lions have made the playoffs for the first time in a long time. Congratulations, <laughs> Brian. Jim Klingler at AKA D M Prime Mover, Tad Lynch, the Mathemagician, Eric Mengi. The Micro Ant, Don Molly, Falcon Neal, Mike Olson, Post Fiction RPG Audio, Robert Pasley, Vladimir Prenner from Croatia, Dance Russo at Drago Russo, Ross Sandberg, Andy Shockney, Krishna Simone's, I'm not going to even try, Grace. Joe Tyler, James Walton, and Graham Ward. Thank you all for your support. Going into the new year, if you got little Christmas money and you don't know what to do with it, you can go to patreon.com/slash mastering DD and let us know. You can write your love letters to us on dollar bills. We will take it. You can also Leave us a review on Apple Podcast or via whichever podcatcher you use to listen. That will help us gain a little bit of traction in the RPG podcasting world. Also, you can go to YouTube and you can subscribe to see us rather than listen to us. Even if you only listen to us, if you go to uh, at Mastering Dungeons on YouTube, uh, you just click subscribe. We appreciate that. Teos, Where can people find your work?
1: Find it at alphastream.org. There you can see my blog posts, get links to all the videos, the Success in RPG series, and all of that. And you can also find me on Mastodon. I love hanging out in that place. I find it very healthy. I'm on some other places, but Mastodon's where I really dig being. Uh, Sean, I know I can find you on all the socials.
0: All the socials, at Sean Merwin. The show itself at Mastering D is on all of them as well. You can join our community and ask questions via our Patreon. And you can leave comments to us in our YouTube channel, Mastering Dungeons. So Teos, not only is this podcast done,
1: but 2023 is done. So
0: what are we gonna do now?
1: No, I got the uh Adventures in a Box Mind Flare Voyage uh, for Christmas. I'm going to go play like I'm 12 years old. I don't know what you're doing.
0: I'm going to somehow be the one to ruin D&D in 2024. Nice. Well played.